Jonathan Taves looks to center. It's picked off. Then he tries Kane. It was well covered. Taves will like to score. Jonathan Taves in his second shift after missing 22 games. Derek Rose struggling one for 11. Will you play him in the fourth quarter? We'll see how it, how it plays out. You know, he's been out for a long time, so he's pretty rusty. One, oh, Cox Dixon is the block from behind, it's a shot clock violation, and the Bulls bench continues to do the job at both ends. Sing, 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 sing. Run, 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 run. Welcome in to the Windy City Roundup, Pivnet Easy Radio Network's newest show where we take you around the best city in the world with the best sports teams and the best sports fans and the best sports venues and the best sports food, the best of the best. Chicago owns it. Because Chicago's a sports town. Look at any other town, any other city in America, it's Chicago number one in terms of sports. I don't want to hear about L.A. Ooh, you got the Lakers. Very nice. You've also got movie studios and all this. L.A. is not a sports town. L.A. is a town that happens to have a sports team. Chicago is a sports town. You bleed Cubs. You breathe Bulls. You eat Blackhawks. Even the White Sox get love. It's White Sox town. It's a Cubs town. It's a Bulls town. A Blackhawks town. That's why Chicago is the best town, the best sports town in the country, and that's why we're going to be talking about it. The Windy City Roundup takes you around the best sports teams and the best sports city in this fine country of yours, starting with the Bulls, because the Bulls had a wonderful game last night at home at the United Center against the Miami Heat. They moved four games up in the Eastern Conference on top of the Heat. Magic number now down to five games. Reason that the Blackhawks were not at home was because the Bulls were playing. But why were the Blackhawks playing, you ask, when the NHL season is over? They're the sixth seed in the Western Conference in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They took on the Phoenix Coyotes last night. Keith Schultz from Blackhawk Up is going to join me in just a bit to talk about what happened there. Blackhawks lose 3-2 in overtime, a heartbreaker in Phoenix to go down 0-1 in the series. They get Game 2 tomorrow night in uh, Phoenix. Then they come back for games three and four in Chicago starting on Tuesday next week. Let's start with the Bulls, though, because we want to start with something happy. And right now, I think that Chicago is a Bulls town. It's a Bulls city right now because they're the best team in the NBA. They are now 45-14, and four games up in the uh, Eastern Conference on the Miami Heat. They clinched the division last night. 
the Indiana Pacers don't play, but it is impossible for the Pacers to catch the Bulls. And now, not only are we just saying that because we're absolute addicts of the Chicago Bulls and they can do no wrong, but it's now mathematically impossible because the uh, Indiana Pacers, not enough games, not enough time, and there's just too much ground to make up. So the Bulls clinch last night. Yet another division title, second straight division title, so it's back-to-back division titles for the Bulls. Now the focus turns to the Miami Heat and closing them out, because everybody kind of expected the Pacers to be closed out, because they were eight and a half games back, ten and a half games back, then eight and a half, you know, back and forth, not really gaining any ground because the Bulls kept winning. The only kind of time that the Pacers gained any ground was when the Bulls went, what was it, like 1-3 one, one to start April when they, you know, lose to Oklahoma City and then they split between the Knicks, or split games with the Knicks where they lose in New York and win in Chicago. So Pacers were never really an issue. It's always been a chase, to, or a race to beat the Heat. And the Bulls took a extraordinary step towards closing out Miami, which is the ultimate goal now with seven games left to go. Seven games left. Four-game lead on Miami. Magic number now down to five to clinch the uh, Eastern Conference and home court advantage throughout. But last night, the bigger story, at least to who everybody that I've talked to and the, the general feeling around Chicago, is Derrick Rose. Usually it surrounds Derrick Rose. It's always something to do with Derrick Rose. But last night he starts, he comes back after missing uh, 13 of the last 14. And it starts... But he only plays 25 minutes and he scores two points. Derrick Rose goes one for 13 shooting last night. Not what you want to get out of Derrick Rose. And it was looking really grim at certain points in the game. But that's how resilient this team was. I talked with Andrew Kennedy yesterday on the Fan Sided podcast. I told him this team is well-rounded. It goes deeper than Derrick Rose. And we saw that better than we've seen at any point this season when guys like not only Luol Dang and Carlos Boozer stepping up, guys that are supposed to step up, but the bench mob. I mean, C.J. Watson, Kyle Korver. This is a rounded team, and we saw that in its greatest example last night, especially late in the game. Chicago comes back. They are getting into a real uh, fight fest here with Miami where they're uh, giving back-and-forth shots, you know, 72-70, then it's 72-72, then it's 74-72, you know, back-and-forth like that, all the way up until we're in the fourth quarter, and Miami jumps ahead 84-81. LeBron James flashback to the very first meeting of these two teams this season where uh, Derrick Rose bricks the two uh, free throws, and then LeBron James turns around and bricks two free throws. This time... James goes one for two from the free throw line with 11 seconds to go in the game. But it was that missed field goal, or excuse me, that missed free throw that led to a game-winning field goal for the Bulls. They go down, they inbound it. C.J. Watson, the hero of the night, he's the John Lucas of this game. Because remember, John Lucas, last time they played, Derrick Rose wasn't in, and he goes insane for 24 points and leads him to a win over the Heat at home. This time, it's C.J. Watson who does that, because with 11 seconds to go, he inbounds it to himself, finds a way to get open, the Bulls toss it around, Carlos Boozer eventually gets it out to him on the corner of the perimeter, and, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. And that's this play right here, C.J. Watson getting the game-tying three-pointer to send the game into overtime, tied at 84-84. Boozer gets it over to Corver, they, they triple-team him. 
And here is Watson. Fires for the tie. And it's a three for C.J. Watson. Miami calls for time with two and two seconds. Two seconds remaining. So after that, the place just goes nuts. And I also told this to Andrew Kennedy yesterday that the home court advantage for the Bulls is very, very important when it comes to a championship run because the fans, Bulls fans, are the best fans in the NBA. And I don't say that because I write for the Bulls and, you know, I'm trying to get on everybody's good side. I say that because I attend games at the United Center. I feel the energy pulsing through me from the fans, and I don't even play. I'm sitting there and I'm typing on a computer the entire game watching and, you know, just, you know, being my lazy self, just being a sports writer. These guys who are on the court who are feeding off of this have to be feeling the same energy that I'm feeling at such an amplified level, and we see that reflected in the play, and we saw that reflected very accurately in overtime. Chicago, they hit the game-tying uh, three-pointer from C.J. Watson. The place erupts. The fans are into it. They're on their feet. And what does Chicago do? They feed off of that. They go 11-2 in overtime, outscoring the Heat, and they win the game. You know, really only the points, the only points that came from Miami in overtime came from uh, Chris Bosh, who scores from the free throw line? Really, that's only that, that that's how Miami gets from 84 to 86, which was their final total. The other thing is going back to what I said: the the, the crowd feeds into the energy of the bench mob, which helps the team be well rounded. The team is well rounded because they're deep. Look at the bench mob. Last night, Chicago outscores Miami's bench. What was it like, forty-seven to five or forty-five to seven? That's pretty incredible, right there. And that has a lot to do with how deep the roster goes and the rotations. But it also has to do with how much these players, who aren't superstars in the NBA, who not a lot of people outside of Chicago know them by heart, can come in a game, feed off of the energy of the crowd, and put up a performance like they did last night. Carlos Boozer also deserves mention because the Houdini act that he had in the playoffs last year, he's been criticized very, very heavily, rightfully so if you ask anybody. But he did come through last night, and he's been coming through recently. And he, he scores, he leads the team in scoring and rebounds last night, and uh, C.J. Watson leads and assists. Uh, Boozer finishes with 19 points, uh, 11 rebounds. Uh, and then you have... C.J. Watson finishing with nine assists. Of course, Derrick Rose only getting two points. That's going to be a statistic that sticks out. But he also had eight assists. So it's not like Derrick Rose went out there and didn't do anything at all. He went out there and he scored two points. He goes out there and he dishes eight assists. But in terms of a well-rounded win, it was a well-rounded win because Chicago won in the areas that they needed to win. They won the bench battle. They destroyed, actually, the bench battle. I mean, it couldn't have been any further apart unless the Heat weren't even going to show up in terms of the bench and just, you know, play the big three the whole game. They also win in the rebounding battle, which is something else that they needed to exploit in terms of a weakness for the Heat. They uh, out-rebound the Heat by four, by a total of 45-41. That was big, too, because you get opportunities, especially late in the game, to get points. Points in the paint, that's a different story. Miami, 36. Chicago only gets 28.
But when it comes down to it, when you win the rebounding game, you have a chance for plays like C.J. Watson's last play, where you get a point more than all those points in the paint that the Heat are going for, and you end up tying the game in 84, sending it in overtime, and, you know, winning the game and being up by four games now in the Eastern Conference. So that was the night for the Bulls. They come out on top. Great game. Derrick Rose gets tired down the end. He's rusty. Expect that. He's missed 23 games this season. He's just coming off of missing 12 consecutive and 13 of the last 14. That's what you have to expect when it comes to Derrick Rose. He needs to be healthy for the playoffs. Who cares what he does during the rest of the regular season? I made the argument a couple weeks ago as we ended March and began April that the Bulls do not need Derrick Rose to close out the Heat in the Eastern Conference. They do, however, need him in the playoffs to win a championship. We're seeing now that that is actually the case. They can close the Heat out without Derrick Rose. They did so last night, and they're doing so very fine right now, five games away from doing and closing them out. Derrick Rose can take a rest, especially in these next three games, because Chicago gets they get uh, the Pistons, and they get the Wizards, and they get the Bobcats. Those are three wins right there. And all of a sudden, no matter what Miami does, you have your magic number all of a sudden down to, th- uh, down to two after those three games. Derrick Rose does not need to play a single second in any of those three games. If you are at all in trouble against the Pistons, the uh, Wizards, or the Bobcats, especially not the Bobcats, you're going to have other things that you need to talk about. And maybe they may struggle in those games just because they realize, as much as we all realize, they don't need to try hard at all. They can bring their C-minus game against the Charlotte Bobcats and still probably outscore them by 35 points. Same goes for the Wizards, and they might have to try a little bit harder against the Pistons, but still at the end of the day, these next three games are really kind of easy games that are really perfect for the Bulls. They've hit the hard stretch. They got past the uh, Thunder. They got past the Celtics. They got past the Heat. They get the Heat again next week, next Thursday. That could be a big game. But at the same time, with the Magic number being only five, the Bulls could very much have the conference already won in that game. It could actually be a game against the Heat that is completely meaningless. And I think everybody in Chicago would like nothing more than that. Basketball fan inside of us wants it to be a really good game just because every time the Heat and the Bulls play, it's such a high-energy game, and there's a lot of anxiety, and there's a lot of you know energy being floated around. But in terms of seeing it from a Bulls perspective, they don't want to have that kind of a game that close to then starting the playoffs. They just kind of want to ease into it, rest Eric Rose, rest Luol Deng, who we all forget injures his wrist earlier this season, the torn ligaments. He still has to deal with that. He can get back to a, a level of play that really can benefit in the playoffs. And then you also have various injuries elsewhere with Rip Hamilton. Tosh Gibson's had problems with injuries this season and really kind of hone the team play that's going on because we're seeing it without Derrick Rose. That's great. Rest everybody. Get playoff ready. Nobody needs to overextend themselves down the stretch here with seven games left to go in this season. Magic number is five. That's all you have to really do, and the math does itself from that point on. Nobody needs to get hurt coming down the stretch here because it's right now. If Derrick Rose gets hurt again, this is the worst possible time, the absolute worst possible time that Derrick Rose can get hurt because now if he misses games, 
it's missing playoff games. At least seven games from now, it's going to be missing playoff games. And that's when you need Derrick Rose. That's why he's missed 23 games this season. So he doesn't come back, re-injure himself more seriously. And then, what do you have in the playoffs? You have a team that gets to the Eastern Conference Finals and gives the Heat a good battle, but they don't make it to a championship without Derrick Rose on this team. And so that's going to be the focus as we head down the stretch here because the Heat now are looking like less and less of a problem, which is really, it really gives you a really good feeling. Knowing that the Heat, for a second straight year, don't stand a chance against the Bulls in the regular season. But, like we saw last year, that didn't matter. The Bulls, they're 6-1 and one against the Heat in the regular season. They're 1-4 and four against them in the playoffs, and that's when it counts. That 1-4 and four in the play, They could be 101 against the Heat in the regular season, but that 1-4 and four against them in the playoffs, that means a difference between making a championship run and having it end brutally in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's a wrap up of the Bulls game from last night. They win 96-86. Like we said numerous times, and we will state it continuously because it's the best statistic that's floating around Chicago right now. Four games up in the Eastern Conference. Magic numbers five to close out. Seven games left for the Bulls. Going to be interesting to come down the stretch here, especially with these easy cushion games against the Pistons. Against the and the Pistons, they don't play again until Sunday. They get the Pistons on Sunday. They get the Wizards on Monday, and then on Wednesday. They get the Charlotte Bobcats a night before a rematch game against the Heat next Thursday. That's a look at the Chicago Bulls. Up next, Keith Schultz joins me from Blackhawk Up to talk about the bad things that happened in Chicago last night. The Blackhawks losing 3-2 in overtime to the Phoenix Coyotes in the opening game of the opening round of the Stanley Cup playoffs this season. He's going to join me. We're going to talk about Jonathan Taze. And his concussions, we're going to talk about how the Blackhawks couldn't get the puck out of the zone in overtime, and that ended up being what killed them. They couldn't get it out of the zone, and they were praying for icing. Keith Schultz is going to tell you all about it, because if I go on anymore, I'm going to have an aneurysm talking about the Chicago Blackhawks in a game that they should have won. They're now down 0-1 in the series. He joins me next. It's the Windy City Roundup, Pippin and Easy Radio Network. Joined by Keith Schultz, Chicago Blackhawks writer for Blackhawk Up. And he's here to talk about how the Blackhawks really kind of ruined my night last night by losing in overtime 3-2 to the Phoenix Coyotes. It's game one of their uh, opening round matchup in Stanley Cup's playoffs. Keith, how are you doing today, the morning after that overtime heartbreaker? I'm doing good. It was a tough loss, but we still have uh, six more games of the series to go. All right, Jonathan Taze comes back last night. He scores uh, 4-0-4 into the first period. Like Derrick Rose for the Bulls, Taze has missed a lot of time recently with the head problems, the concussions. How did he look to you last night throughout the game? Do you think that his problems are going to linger throughout the series and really have an effect on his game? I don't think so. I thought he looked really good for his first game back. Um, It was great to see him score right away, and he was doing what he does best, getting Winning face house, being in the right spot at the right time. He was, he was there the whole time. It was awesome to see him back on ice. All right, the Coyotes, they haven't won a playoff series since 1987, back when they were the Winnipeg Jets. They weren't even in Arizona yet. 
They have no owner. They have no real star. But they packed that house last night. It was a whiteout, and they beat the Blackhawks. How did they beat the Blackhawks last night? If they have no superstars, they have no owners. What did they do last night that you saw that worked against this Blackhawks team? Uh, what they did was they capitalized on all the Blackhawks' mistakes. Um, the Blackhawks' defense really played poor through most of the game, especially uh, O'Donnell and Jomerson. I mean, the one shift that Jomerson had on the on the last on the first goal was just terrible. I don't know what he was doing. He looked like a rookie out there instead of a Stanley Cup champion. Um, but basically, they just capitalized on all the mistakes that the Blackhawks made. Um, the Blackhawks all those turnovers. I think they have a good chance of winning games, too. All right, let's go to overtime. How much of a killer was it that the Blackhawks couldn't clear the puck against the Coyotes down when we were minutes away from what ended up being the game-winning goal? Because it really seemed like they were struggling. The Coyotes were just keeping it in, and they were taking shot after shot after shot. What? It was tough. I mean, they had, they, we had four icings in a row. I mean, the guys just looked like they were, they didn't even try to clear the, the zone you know, attack. All we were doing was putting the puck down the ice. That was tough to see. What are the, what are the Blackhawks going to have to do if this happens again? I mean, what did you see in that sequence of plays right there, in that sequence of events that really led up to that? Because I saw a team getting worn down. How can they avoid that again? Because... They can't allow that to happen because this could have happened. It doesn't matter that it was overtime. We saw this happen throughout the game as a whole. What do they need to do to adjust so that they can play the Coyotes in their zone? They, they didn't do what they do best, and that's uh, possess the puck. Um, that they didn't do any of that. They, they, they let Phoenix possess the puck most of the night and have the surge and have the possession, and the Hawks can't do that. They, got it. they have the young legs. They have the young talent. They need to have the puck on their sticks and being the ones on the attack mode. And it seemed like the Phoenix was attacking the whole game, and that's where they really struggled with their defense. The Coyotes, they killed four penalties last night, opportunities that the Blackhawks really, really, in hindsight, need to take advantage of, especially given how the game ended up. But the Coyotes, they've killed off 29 straight penalties dating back to the regular season. And the Hawks, they're not so good on the power play. Is this something that could really kill the Blackhawks as the series continues if they can't take opportunities when they have a man advantage? Absolutely. Um, they, the Blackhawks struggled all year on the power play, which is just unheard of with the talent that they have in Mary Hosa and Patrick Kane and Patrick Sharp and Taze. And now with Taze back, I think it could be the jump start to get some power play goals, which they desperately will need in game two to get ahead and get the series tied up going back to Chicago. All right, so game two, it's in Phoenix still. Games three and four, those are the ones that are back in Chicago. So the Hawks, they have a real opportunity to return to the desert for game five, up 3-1 in the series. How confident are you that they can win tomorrow, and then that they are, or are you fearful that they're going to lose and then all of a sudden they're back in Chicago, they're down 0-2, and right away in Game 3, they kind of have their backs up against the wall. How do you feel they're going to do uh, in Game 2? Uh, you never know when you lose a game like that in overtime if they're going to come out with lingering effects or if they're going to come out motivated knowing that, hey, if we just clean up the turnovers, clean up the other things, get the power play going, that we might win. Um, I think they, they clean up the turnovers. They have a great shot to go back to Chicago 1-1. And even if they don't, even if they are down 0-2, the series isn't over because a real series doesn't begin until the home team loses.
Who out of the entire Blackhawks roster last night did you think played the best game? Because we had Jonathan Taze scoring, and then we also had Brent Seabrook scoring. And uh, Patrick Kane was in there on a few assists, too. I believe he uh, got his 50th assist in a playoff game. Or uh, he got his 50th career playoff point, moving him up into 15th place in Blackhawk history. Who had the best game last night? I mean, we know they lost. It's never You never want to point out somebody doing a good job in a loss, but... They really shouldn't have lost that game. Who do you see played the best game last night? I think Crawford had the best game because the defense had him left out to dry, and he he really saved them and kept the game close to 2-1 where they were able to capitalize on Seabrook's scoring to get the game into overtime. I think uh, Crawford's definitely the key to the series in maintaining that great play in the net. All right, so what's your official prediction for Game 2? against the Coyotes. Do the uh, Blackhawks, do they pull it out and go back 1-1 to Chicago, or are they down 0-2? What's your official prediction? My official prediction is the Blackhawks 3, Coyotes 1. We go back to Chicago, tied 1-1. All right, he's Keith Schultz, writes for Blackhawk Up. Check it out, blackhawkup.com, to get all of the best Chicago Blackhawks action. And hopefully, Keith's going to be writing deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs about the Blackhawks. Thanks for joining me, Keith. Hey, thank you. Have a good one. Recapping the show that we just had for you, Chicago, they go two for three yesterday in terms of big-time sports. The Cubs, they surprise the world, and they win 8 nothing against the Brewers. Can you believe that? The Chicago Cubs. What's winning? I forgot what winning was when it came to the Chicago Cubs. They win their second game of the season. Congratulations to the Cubs. And in that same night, the Chicago Bulls destroy the Miami Heat 96-86 to move four games up in the Eastern Conference. Magic number is now five to win home court advantage throughout the playoffs. They have seven games left with three really cushy games coming up. But the Blackhawks spoil everybody's night by losing 3-2 in overtime to the Phoenix Coyotes. Back in action on Saturday are the Blackhawks. Game two in Phoenix against the Coyotes. Check them out. And then they come back home on Tuesday to play in the United Center. Game three of that series. So the Blackhawks... They can correct themselves on Saturday. In the meantime, PippinAin'teEasy.com. Check it out for all of your Chicago Bulls news and action. Follow them on Twitter, Bulls Beat Blog. Also check out the Chicago Blackhawks. Keith Schultz writes for BlackhawkUp.com. All the Blackhawks playoff information that you need, they're covering them very closely as the Blackhawks try to make a run at another Stanley Cup. And also check out Cubby's Crib, which is the Chicago Cubs site. If you need any Cubs information, go to Cubby's Crib. Jordan Campbell could not join me today to talk about the Cubs. We'll get him on next time. Hopefully he can talk about some more wins for the Chicago Cubs. They're at two right now. I'm not very confident that they're going to make it to five before this month is over. But hey, I've been a Cubs fan for a long time, and everybody can share that pain. Because Chicago's the best sports city And everybody knows the sports teams, and everybody's connected by it right there. So check out the sites. Check out everything. Check out the show on iTunes. Search Pippin and Easy in the iTunes search bar to take it on the go with you. We'll catch you next time. This is the Windy City Roundup, Pippin and Easy Radio Network.